do the entire episode talking like Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Kermit. Yay! Hello. I won't do it. I won't do that. No. I mean, it would make this episode of Punk Goes Pod a lot more enjoyable for me, but we'll get to that. So, welcome to episode 11 of Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that discusses every single song in the Punk Goes Ellipses universe. And hey, if you happen to be another podcast that 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 claims that moniker, then come at us. Exactly. And we can be friends. Yeah. And we'll form a super come, pod. Come at us and we can be friends. Exactly. We don't, we don't fight. No. You also should not give me the keys to that car in terms of the whole Kermit the Frog voice thing. Because if you tell me you enjoy it, <laughs> I'll bury that joke into the ground. <laughs> You'll run it into the ground. No, I'll bury it into the ground. It'll be that far dead. True. <laughs> so, y'all are just going to have to bear with me this week. I This is our second attempt at recording because I had a bit of a hissy fit because this song is... The most fucking boring song that we have ever had to listen to. Well, I feel like I let you down. I have forsaken you. Why? Because we should have gotten drunk. Ah, oh, that would have made it better. So it, it makes sense why we would have gotten drunk. So the reason we say that is this week we are discussing the song Blame It by Jamie Foxx featuring T-Pain as covered by the band of Mice and Men. Yes. So the fact that Blame It is all about the uh, 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 alcohol means that we really should have gotten ourselves into a similar frame of mind before we discussed this song. Maybe we can do that as like a bonus episode at some point. At some point. I I, I mentioned this to you. I I do want to do a drunk episode, but I also hate the idea of editing a drunk episode. See, I kind of love the idea of editing. Well, if you're willing to take it, then... I'll do it. Because I've... have had times when I thought it'd be amazing to write drunk and I do it and then I get I look back at what I wrote the next day and go what the hell is all of this well that's well it's not common but wasn't there an e- not an editor <laughs> a writer who said write drunk edit sober was it like Bukowski or Hemingway well, or didn't something didn't Hemingway or... famously write drunk yes I don't know but anyway Hemingway was just famously horrible yeah look this isn't a Hemingway podcast. No. Fortunately. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd be having even more of a fit than I was this just 10, 15 minutes ago. So, Samuel. Emma. How was your week? Pretty good. Got, oh. got a new job. You did. Full stop. And I have to apologise. I didn't record an excellent congratulatory soundbite for you, but... There's still time. There is, but now what if I don't do it? Now it's just going to make me look shit. You shouldn't have brought it up then. Well, Well, that's the magic of editing. This is true. And now I want to do something funny with the editing. Funny with the editing. Funny with the editing. This is just the pits this entire episode. We're going to bring you all down to a deep, dark pit of despair. Sorry, guys. It's just, it's Sunday evening... The weather sucks still, even though it's meant to be spring. This song is crap. It was 20 degrees out. It, it was it, warm, but it was, yeah, it was just miserable in the sky. Like We what? had it perfectly yesterday. It was perfect yesterday. I know. And I didn't record then because I was having such a good day. <laughs> so it's just like, ah, uh, why am I, I like this? I keep saying to you, we need to just suffer through this one i know what's hot well i mean i don't know how you feel about the cover but it's half suffering for me yeah but we'll get to that so i guess should we just kick it off why not look we we didn't really have terribly act active weeks that's the word i was looking for yeah well look we went and saw the new it it was fine Mm -hmm. cgi isn't scary big things aren't scary and that's it that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> part two. Pig behind the curtain. We literally just had a discussion about why talking about the movie would be boring. No, no. Talking, talking about the movie for minutes on end would be boring. I talked about the movie for 15 seconds. <laughs> no. It's just... We decided... Uh, yeah, we won't mention it. And then... No, you decided. 
Uh, yeah. So blame it. Mm. I blame it on Jamie Foxx for being fucking boring in this song. Which is really disappointing because if if you know Jamie Foxx, he is a he's a very famous actor. Mm-hmm. Actor. Uh, his name actually is formerly Eric Marlon Bishop, which is a sick name. Yeah. I don't know why he just went with that. Uh, well, because he, he got started in comedy clubs doing open mic nights. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of... Um, I can't remember the exact reason. He wanted to make the name, his first name, ambiguous. Oh, okay. So it could be sort of misconstrued as being female or male. Why is that? Because he kind of already has the upper hand in being a dude in comedy. I don't quite know. Um, Eh, There you go. But, and also the fox comes from, I believe he was another comedian, Red Fox. Oh, okay. So that's why it's spelled with two X's. Gotcha. Um, And yeah, he got his start acting on the sketch comedy show in Living Colour. But yeah, he's also played some pretty sick roles he was uh motherfucker jones in horrible bosses truly an under well not underrated i think it was appreciated at the time but such a good character yeah he's great yeah he's, he's even better as Django and Django unchained mm-hmm. he played ray charles in ray um where he won a he won an academy award yeah for, for best actor in 2004 mm-hmm. um he was yeah he's just been in lots of cool movies like law-abiding citizen uh, collateral and apparently like he can sing he can do good music he can make good music because he's been in the game since 94 when he released his debut album peep this peep this and but then he wouldn't release another one until 2005's unpredictable which fair because he was doing he was acting yeah but yeah i like he's he's someone that i've if I'm going to watch a movie and he's in it, I'm like, oh, cool, Jamie Foxx is in it. Jamie Foxx is great. Yeah. Yeah, I always appreciate his acting work. And look, I will I will cop to it besides, uh, besides Blame It. The only other musical credit I can really attribute him to was he does the opening bars to Gold Digger by Kanye. Of course. Yeah, he does the She Gives Me Money When I'm In Need. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna hit that high note, and I'm not. I'm not gonna try. But yeah, like he does. He does that, and that was, and that was sort of when I was aware that he could actually do music as well because I was. That came out in what, like 2005. Yeah. So I was in high school, and someone, someone played it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Jamie Fox, the actor." See, that's the thing. Like, I didn't know who he was until that. I was like, "Oh, Jamie Fox, new musician," which wrong. And also wrong in that he had been around for ages, both acting and singing. Yeah. Um, So... Look, I guess in the broader scope of things, like, what are your thoughts on actors who have musical side projects? So I do have a small list of actors who have musical side projects. you got Jared Leto with 30 Seconds to Mars. Mm -hmm. What do you think of 30 Seconds to Mars? Loved them when I was of the age that they were targeting. So, like, in my teens, when they came out with The Kill, and there's the very attractive scene in the music video, which, video, which oh, yeah. is it The Shining that it's based yeah. off? Yeah. And there's a part where Jared Leto grabs Jared Leto by the collar, and they're yelling at each other, and they do, like, a very near, like, it looks as if they're about to make out. I was like, yes, but... Which, let's be fair... That's probably the only person who could really get Jared Leto off, is Jared Leto. Yeah. And look, I always appreciate, like, being the edgy teen that I was. My favourite movie was Fight Club. I still love it. I don't know if I would want to say it's my favourite now just because it's so, like... Well, then, do you would you say you do have a new favourite movie? Because you're allowed to have a new... Like, I changed my mind on my favourite books. I don't know. Like, Almost Famous has always been a constant for mm. me. Sleepless in Seattle is delightful. Like... Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. So, like, back to Jared Leto, like, him as Babyface, Angel Face, Angel Face. Babyface, isn't it? Oh, no, I think it's Angel Face. Angel Face. I mean, you've probably seen it more than me. Yeah, so that, I wanted to destroy something beautiful, and, like, yeah, Jared Leto gets his, the shit beaten out of him, specifically in his facial region. 
Um, but like, I appreciated him as an actor via that because I was too young for My So Called Life. Was he in that? What was he in? I think he was in My So Called. I, I don't know because I don't think it really came out over here. No, it didn't. But, but um... he was in. I mean, Requiem for a Dream would have been oh, around about the same time. So that's both of, both Fight Club and Requiem for a Dream are good movies. Fight Club, I think, is still a good movie. Oh, it's a bloody good movie. But it just uh, wrong people have gotten the wrong idea about it. Yeah, and also just Chuck Palahniuk is a bit of a wanker, just broadly speaking. Yeah, but I like his books. I do, but they sort of again. I think just because I've gotten older and my brain has changed like i don't know i i remember it's i think it's on the cover of your copy of fight club the book mm-hmm. it's got like a little sticker it's like brett easton ellis the guy who wrote Ugh. american psycho and um oh less than zero uh wrote a thing that was like this is the best book i've ever written and it just made me ponder the thought of like what would it be like with brett easton ellis and Chuck Palahniuk just sitting down having dinner together. How miserable would that be? Oh, it would just be a circle jerk, It'd just really. Be, I hate everything. Yeah, I hate everything too. But like, it wouldn't even like it would wouldn't even be a depressing. It would just be like American Psycho times two. Mm. Like I don't know. Like yeah, I love like Chuck Palahniuk. Like Fight Club is great. Invisible Monsters is great. Mm. Lullaby is good, but it kind of the it older I get, the worse it gets to me. Yeah, it gets silly. Um, and yeah, and then there was like this short story. I can't remember what it was, but it was deeply upsetting. Yeah. I remember that fucked you up. Yeah. So I don't know. Did Jared Leto have a, a movie role that made teenage girls swoon like, and we'll get to him later, but like Jake Gyllenhaal did with Donnie Darko? Ah, well, I think that would have been the My So-Called Life because he was... But... I'm talking about, because, like, girls that I went to high school with were all over Jake Gyllenhaal, and it was because of Donnie Darko. Yeah. Because he was dark and mysterious in it. But, again, we, as Australians, we didn't get my so-called teenage life over here. My so-called life. My so-called life. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't think of anything around about the time of 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah. Like... It was so... So, it feels like it was more the band that made... Teenage girls swoon. Yeah, and like me included. But then it sort of transpires over the years that Jared Leto is creepy as yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah, like all the stuff that he was doing during Suicide Squad ugh. to channel the Joker. It's like, no, you're just a, a fucking idiot. Yeah, like there's method acting, and then there's just being an asshole because you feel like you've got to pass on it. Like, yeah, no. Um, yeah, like, who was it that he was sending used condoms to? Wasn't it sent- to Margot Robbie or Could something? have been. I, I think he sent a bullet to Will Smith. And it was like... That's disgusting. It's like... Uh, uh, what a uh, dick. That's just you being an asshole and, yeah, like you said, getting away with it. Yeah. Because you feel like you can. So, yeah, I feel like, generally speaking, as a rule, I don't love, like, when actors have musical side projects... I can't think of any off the top of my head where I'm like, yeah, like. Uh, well, I mean, so Keanu Reeves, again, the internet's like, favorite boy. I'm sure it's it's fine, but like, I think I've listened to like maybe a song, and it's sort of it's very '90s, you know, sort of rock grunge yeah. kind of. But the thing that I love about it, his band Dog Star, yeah, is that. Usually when it's an actor who starts a band or starts a musical project, they're still the focal point. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is the bassist in that band. That's cool. Yeah, that's like probably the most straightforward way to not centre yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it is. And like it is it, it's weird like seeing like the lead singer of this band and like the rest of this band and then there's Keanu Reeves playing bass. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and it just and it also just shows you yeah, Keanu Reeves is the best. He's pretty great. Who I don't care what you think. Like Keanu Reeves is just the best. Yes. But then there's like Jack Black with Tenacious D. Was he an actor first or a singer? Jack Black. No, he was an actor. Oh yeah, because he was in um High Fidelity and all that. He was in High Fidelity. He was in The Jackal. He was in a rollerblading movie with <laughs> Seth Green. Oh, God. Why does that sound really good right now? Anyway. Oh, oh it's. I think it's like. Just cringy great. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I can forgive Jamie Foxx for 
having a subpar musical career. So, the song Blame It was the second official single from Fox's third studio album, Intuition, and it was released in 2009, which is funny because 2009 was when I moved to Melbourne for uni and it would have been probably mid to late 2009 that I started to go out clubbing with my friends and I do not remember this song. Like, I just don't remember this being a thing, whereas a lot of other pop and R&B kind of songs from this period, they just immediately transport me back to being at Rats of a Saturday night and it just being filthy, like... Anyway. Well, I mean, when we when we talk about charts, that'll probably make a bit more sense. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I don't really. I, you know me, like I'm a, I'm a big club guy, booze man. You know, <laughs> narcotic hound. Sure. But even I didn't hear this one in the uh, discotheque. Yeah, like. I, <laughs> I I've, I've I've never actually been clubbing before. And it shows. <laughs> I like to sit down at an establishment and just talk to someone. Yes. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I just... At some point, I will go to a nightclub, I guess. No, you won't. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> if you said to me... If you said to me, hey, it's been, a, it's been a few years. I think it'd be fun. Let's get a group of people and we'll go to a nightclub. See, I don't feel like I would put you in that situation, though, because I know that you would hate it. That's not necessarily true. I don't mean that in a, like, dismissive sense, but, like, I don't know. I've been to pubs and stuff, and pubs are just the dirty version of clubs. Yeah, but, like, clubs, there's, like, a certain higher energy to them that you need to bring. And again, not saying you're low energy, but, like... I'm tapping my nose because of it. What? Cocaine! Ah, gotcha. I don't know if people do cocaine anymore. That just shows, again, how ridiculously uncool I am. But that's fine. Let's keep going about the song. So, the song includes a guest performance, and I wrote this, by autotune enthusiast Tobias Payne. That just gets funnier every time you <laughs> trot it out, Sam. It's, it's not even close to his name, though. So what is his name? It's like, uh, I don't, I'd need to look it up. That's, hang on. Well, I'll look that up while you talk about chart performance. So, it, yes, as I mentioned, it includes a guest performance by T-Pain. It was the most successful single from the album, reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It sold over one million downloads. And around the world, it reached number 79 on the ARIA charts. That probably counts to why you didn't really hear it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Number seven on the Canada Hot 100. They don't even know what hot is in Canada. And number 29 in New Zealand. Oh, yeah. So it did better in in NZ. Yeah. Than than OZ. Um, I had a theory about the recording of this song and it goes like this so Jamie Foxx approaches T-Pain and he's like hey man I'm, I'm really looking forward to singing this song with you and T-Pain's like what are you talking about singing we're not going to sing you're just going to talk and I'm going to put auto-tune over it <laughs> I mean that's the only logical explanation because there's no melody to the vocals whatsoever aside from just the monotone like da 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 and did, and did T-Pain ever actually sing, or was it all auto-tune? Because that uh, was his thing, wasn't it? It was auto-tune. I think there was a bit of melody to it. Uh, fun fact, T-Pain's full name is Fahim Rashid Naim. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, look, I think he did. Um, like, I think there was some element of melody to it, but then he also just, like, fucking turns the... T- um, I was going to say turns the T-Pain up. Turns the auto-tune up to 11. No, so. I love that. Turns the T-Pain up to So, 11. even on his Wikipedia page, it says, Throughout his career as a singer, T-Pain is best known for using and popularising the creative use of the auto-tune pitch correction effect. Uh, I beg to differ. I believe it was Cher who popularised auto-tune with Believe in Life After Love. Or was it just called Believe? It was just called Believe. It was. Um, this is true, but I feel like for our generation, oh, yeah, he yeah. brought it back. Definitely. 
And so... Ah, so he was also... So T-Pain also featured on Flo Rida's Single Low, which was such a good song. Okay, I'll take you at your word. You know it. No, I don't. You got them, you got them apple bottom jeans. Boots, boots with, with the fur. With the fur. The whole, whole club, club yeah. looking at her. So, like, anyway, I guess, look, we're going to get into it more, but this is just an unfortunate one. Anyway. <laughs> but, so my theory ends with Jamie Foxx is like, no, no, I'll sing. And T-Pain's like, no, I've got a katana. I'm pointing it at you. You're going to auto-tune. Why a katana? I don't know. It's big and it's pointy. Sure. A machete, then. So, in our run sheet, we have a dot point that just says thoughts on the song. So, Samuel. It's boring. It, it it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um. It's yeah again like I I don't know the auto tune thing didn't really click with me. No. Um. I would have loved to have heard him do this to actually. To, I'm I'm not going to say he's not actually singing. He's singing. But I would love to have heard it clean. Would love to see what it was like him putting some melody into it, and making it go. Further than just the da na 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 na. The the backing isn't enough to enthuse enthuse me, enthuse me, <laughs> enthuse me, and maybe it was because of, it might, uh, yeah maybe it was a big club song that like know, it makes sense. You had to be dancing and drinking a bit to sort of really get into it. I just yeah it, it's it's boring and. I don't know, when dudes are in their 40s and they've got families, I'm not really buying the whole, I'm out at the club whole thing. I just... Although he might have been, I don't know. It's like, what was the band? Was it Train that did Drops of Jupiter? Yes. And then like 10 years later they released another song. Hey that... Soul Sister. No, they had another song. And like the the opening line was something like, when you're going to bed, oh no, when you're getting out of bed, I'm just getting into it. It's like, dude, you must be like 45 now. <laughs> Who gives a flying fuck if you're doing that at 45? I just want someone to realistically tell me what it's like to be in my 40s. Like, yeah, they got to lodge a tax return. <laughs> I've got to go to the chiropractor for my neck problem. It's good to know that if I'm ever sick, you'll just be able to look after this entirely by yourself for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> don't because the thought scares me <laughs> those episodes would go for like four and a half hours so, uh, they, yeah. they, they'd rival hardcore history solely driven by you <laughs> like you would be to blame well, like hardcore history if dan carlin can do it for six hours oh. six hour long podcasts are you gonna ask me what my thoughts are i think you just ask yourself yeah, I did, because you didn't. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had lots of thoughts. You did. So, I hate it. I hate how boring it is. I hate how it's just yet another video about, like, I'm trashed in a club, and there's this girl, and she looks so much better now that I'm drunk, and... Do you mean you hate the song? Yes. Yeah, what you said I? video. Ah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, we'll get on to that, because I hate that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't like it's the monotone or just the single, like, very limited melodies in the verses. The chorus sucks. The lyrics are bad. I just, I do not like it at all. What ha has more creativity to it in regards to alcohol songs, this or tequila? As in the tequila. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's an excellent song. 
This is <laughs> it does, and it goes different places. Exactly, it has different. You know, it takes you on a journey. This does not. No, it doesn't. You start at the club, and you're still at the club. Yeah, it just. And I'm mad that I'm in a club. I don't know. I feel like this is what purgatory sounds like. But... Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And look again. I kind of want to love it because Jamie Foxx is great. Yeah. And, like, this doesn't negate the fact that he's great. No. I just truly cannot stand this. It's just more that I might want to listen to his songs, but I still want to see his movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, on to the video, because I've already signaled that I do not like it. Yeah. So, the video was directed by Hype Williams, which is such a great name. I know. Who has directed videos for the likes of the Wu-Tang Clan, Boys to Men, Brandy, A Tribe Called Quest, and Missy Elliott, among others. And I don't know why, but the video features cameo appearances by Ron Howard, Jake Gyllenhaal, Forrest Whitaker, Samuel L. Jackson. So I'll just cut in there. That starts off at the start of the video. It's it's Ron Howard, Forrest Whitaker, and Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jamie Foxx arriving in a car, and then Samuel L. Jackson's already at the club. Yeah, and they're all credited. They're all credited. And then uncredited, it includes the likes of Quincy Jones, Cedric the Entertainer, and Mos Def. Among, there's more, but I'm mentioning the ones that we would mostly know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Black Entertainment Television named it their number one music video for 2009, and I truly don't know why. It's just, it's it's boring. I... It, again, it's sort of, it's a boring film clip to go with the boring song. It's just, it's just, a couple of dudes mugging in front of the camera. And, like, so you introduce the likes of Ron Howard especially, Jake Gyllenhaal, Samuel L. Jackson. Like, you introduce those kinds of people into a song like this and you think, oh, this video is going to be really funny. Yeah. And it's not. I think what I want is I want to take Ron Howard out of the car, Yeah. put Samuel L. Jackson in it, have those four guys, Jamie Foxx, Forrest Whitaker, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Samuel L. Jackson, go on an adventure, and every couple of minutes, I have Ron Howard narrate what they're doing. <laughs> With the Arrested Development theme over the top? <laughs> the Arrested Development theme, and every now and again, an auto-tune, Jamie Foxx is like, ah, 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 oh, oh, God. But, like, I... Like, why... It makes no sense why they're there. Because it's literally just nightclub, and them entering the nightclub, unless they're already in the nightclub, and for the likes of Samuel L. Jackson, but, like, it doesn't progress. And then there's, like, a thing where there's a dude dressed in a panda suit, just inexplicably in the club, and then at the end, panda suit guy pulls the head off the panda suit, and it's Jamie Foxx. So I have three theories. Sure. So buckle up. Yep. Ron Howard is either there, he's either the wild card, the psycho, that's going to have your back if you're going to get into a fight. Yep. Or he's the designated driver. Yep. I mean, he looks like the designated driver. He certainly does. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is not in the car. Because Samuel L. Jackson is the friend that always insists on driving. Yep. And whoever's driving, I can't remember who it actually is that drives. It's either Forrest Whitaker or Jake Gyllenhaal because they're the ones in the front. But it's just like, so we're going to go out to the club. Yeah. we got to invite Samuel. Yeah. Um, hey, man, like, we don't have enough room in the car. We'll just meet you at the club. I really just want to drive. I really just want to drive. So we'll just tell him to meet us at the club. So that's my, well, that's my second theory. Samuel L. Jackson's the friend that always has to drive. I don't get that. Like, why is that a bad thing? Well, sometimes you just want to drive. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing. Why would you you, be avoiding it? You don't get it because you only just got your license. (laughs) Do you mean because, like, you're then beholden to that person for when you get to leave? Yes. Okay. See, that makes sense. But until then, you were just saying, but he always wants to drive. All right. All right. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense. Thank you. Also, my third and final theory is... This is, basically, it's Jamie Foxx's fantasy. And he's looking at it through... He, he is the person in the panda suit. He's looking at everyone else having a great time and putting himself in the fantasy. Putting He's, he's imagining himself getting tipsy at the club with the girls kissing on him. Mm. 
but in reality, he's this guy who has to entertain at a nightclub. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It's the whole... It's that theory of from Ferris Bueller's Day Off where it's all in Cameron's head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's such a dark theory. And that uh, the idea is that... that oh, what is the idea? It's that he's imagining that he... Yeah, that he is Ferris Bueller or... Mm. No. No, probably just that he sort of has his... Um... Ferris Bueller's his escape, basically. And, like, he sort of gets to have his redemption arc. Yeah. When he's with Ferris. Yeah. Because he gets to finally gain the courage to stand up to his abusive father and all this kind of stuff. But instead... Even though Ferris Bueller's kind of an asshole. He is, but this is not a Ferris Bueller podcast. No. Um, so... Because Jamie Foxx, does he appear in the video outside of the panda suit? Yeah, yeah. So that t- it doesn't make s- I don't get why he's there, not in the panda suit, but also in the panda suit. So he is in the panda suit. Yes. Right? Yes. Because it doesn't make sense that at the end he takes the head off. There's no, t- there's not two Jamie Foxes. He is projecting himself. Right. He's projecting himself from the panda suit into <laughs> probably someone else. The person who's having a really good time. But he's like, oh man, imagine if I was that person. Right. This sounded so much better in my mind. No, no, it's good. And see, but the thing that makes me so mad is, like, I don't think they thought anything beyond oh, no. club and, oh, ha here's a panda suit. Here you go. Like, no, I think you're right. I just... Everything about because this... Because nothing... Is... Sorry, no, no, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. no, it's fine. You go. No, I was just going to say nothing leads to that. No. I... Even, even, in the, even in the sometimes film clip, they did a better job of, hey, maybe she's just imagining it. Yeah. Yeah. I just fucking... I'm deeply disappointed by this song. Like, even if it had had, like, a funny-ish video, I would have been like, okay, sure. But it's just sort of like... Like, was he just... Did he mean, like... Did he have a dinner booked with Jake and Ron Howard and was like, oh, whoops, I'm meant to be filming. Come on. Like, I don't get it. Well, I think it took him like a day. I don't get it. I'm sure they got. I'm sure they paid off their bathrooms with the money that they got from this. I just, yeah. Did I? I mean, look, I can imagine Jake Gyllenhaal was a club rat at some point. Yeah, but also like he's sort of like a wholesome club rat. I don't think he was part of the Pussy Posse. What the fuck is the Pussy Posse? The Pussy Posse. That was um, that was like a group of actors that. Yeah, went nightclubbing. It was like DiCaprio. Um, I'm scared to Google it. It's like DiCaprio, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Toby Maguire. For some reason, I think one of the guys from Entourage. Oh, probably that Adrian, whatever his name the is, little Grenier. redheaded guy. Oh no, no, I'm not. Um, I'm just gonna see what this pulls up. Yeah, okay. So the unauthorized history of the Pussy Post. Fucking. Men are the worst, I swear to God. Jesus. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna... argue against you. They're all... (sighs) Fucking... Nights Out would include sneaking into Victoria's secret events in New York City, impromptu trips to Vegas, setting off stink bombs at Sky Bar, and always chasing girls. Like, fuck all of you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and look, they'd probably turn around and go, "Oh, we were young, so." I don't care. It's not an excuse. It's the same thing. It's the same people who go, "Oh, but I was drunk." That's well. If you're drunk, then if you know that you're going to act that way when you're drunk, then don't drink. God damn it! But if you know that you're going to make a better song when you're drunk, then um, then get absolutely shit faced, Jamie Fox, and record a better song. I. I had no idea that this existed, and now I'm really angry. Has, uh, has this tarnished Leonardo DiCaprio for you? Yes. That's all right. We don't Which, really... like, rightfully so, because fuck Leonardo DiCaprio. It doesn't like... really, um, we don't really watch much of his movies anyway. No. So. Oh my goodness. Posse members got to fly to Australia when DiCaprio was shooting Romeo and Juliet. They had an endless amount of women, both famous and not, lining up to be with them. They got to have more fun than anyone else, so long as they had DiCaprio's back. And maybe agreed to hold on to his money. What? So basically what it sounds like, and yeah, it's basically just sounds like he had a group of hangers on. One of them 
Bing went, and Toby Maguire. One of them went sort of like semi-famous for, or he, he was famous for a few years ago, Toby Maguire. And it just sounds like they hung on to Leonardo DiCaprio, the best looking of them all, the most famous of them all, and rode his coattails in terms of, yeah, sleeping with women and being awful people. I fucking... Man. I'm sorry that I put this on to you. No, no, I'm glad I'm aware of it, but like... It's... Look, and it's basically like... I mean, there was the Rat Pack. Yeah. As well, which I'm sure we're probably like that. Yeah, but like, at least they weren't calling themselves the Pussy Possum. Yeah. Like, fuck right off with that. Jesus. I apologise to everyone who's bothering to listen to this one, because I'm just very mad. I started off like being very like low energy and just disappointed and now I'm just like outright pissed off. So fuck this song, fuck the pussy posse. <laughs> fuck the no, fact that Ron Howard no, Don't fuck the pussy yeah, posse. Do not go near the pussy posse, you fucking Wow. This is see like uh anyway. Shall we talk about the cover before I continue to get just angrier? Yeah. <laughs> So, of Mice and Men, and we're not even going to mention the book because that's just going to make me mad and sad and it'll just be a mess. They formed in 2009 in Orange County, California. And Sam has very adorably put here, besides being one of Emma's favourite shows, plenty of punk slash hardcore slash metal bands have come from the OC. So, the likes of Atreyu, Avenged Sevenfold, Agent Orange... The Aquabats, Bleeding Through, The Offspring, Real Big Fish, Throwdown, The Vandals, and Zebrahead, Zebrahead, just to name a few, have all come from the OC. And Hyrax. Who are Hyrax? Hyrax are, um, they're a thrash band, an 80s thrash band, but they're sort of, they were kind of at the forefront of having an African-American in their, like, in a metal band. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was. I'm not going to say a first, first because like you had bands like Bad Brains and. Oh, but still. But still, um, yeah, no, awesome, awesome band. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it just it, it, there must just be something in the water from Orange County. Yeah, or well, just that entire is Orange County in the Bay Area. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say because just Bay Area. Like... I always thought Bay Area was San Francisco. Because that's where, like, Bay Area Thrash, which is uh, bands like Metallica and Slayer. See, but then Bay Area to me means, like, Green Day and their ilk. Well. Like, Descendants and all that. You know, just goes to show that we don't learn American geography in Australia. Oh, I'm garbage at ge- geography. Okay, no, you're correct. San Francisco Bay Area. A region in Northern California spanning the city of San Francisco and surrounding counties. Cool. The band was floundered, 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 <laughs> uh, and this is this is of mice and men. Yes, the band was founded by Austin Carlyle, former lead vocalist of Attack Attack. Yes, and they're... Jackson Hall coming all the way from New Zealand. Jackson Hall is it feels like it's not spelled correctly, but it's J A X I N. Good on him from New Zealand. Um, and I looked at his Twitter page, and it's something like. His bio is basically, I'm a Kiwi. Hell yeah, I do. I write music, and I'm a dad. Good on you, Jackson. <laughs> I like you, Jackson. Exactly. Uh, both Carlisle and Hall would leave the band. Interestingly, with Carlisle going on to coach youth baseball in Costa Rica. That's cool. It was also at one point rumored. I think he started the rumor <laughs> that he was going to be the that he was going to be joining Lincoln Park. To replace Chester, I suspect. Well, I would assume, yes. But that never came to pass. Yeah. And according to... Oh, the band are currently signed to Rise Records and have released six studio albums in total. Mm -hmm. And according to their Wikipedia page, it appears as though they are currently without vocalists. 
So that's not a great position to be in. It's one of those things, like, most bands, you can lose a guitarist or a bassist. I mean, if ACDC couldn't lose Angus Young. Mm. Could you say Fallout Boy couldn't, could still not lose Pete Wentz at this oh, point in time? I, I think if Pete left, it wouldn't be Fallout Boy anymore. It would be a lot of the creativity would be gone, wouldn't it? Well, just, see, like, Patrick, to me, is the most creative one in terms of the arrangements and stuff, but you would be losing the... Lyrical? Na- yeah, like the narrative voice. Yeah. Because Pete is not solely, but, like, primarily responsible for writing lyrics. And they do have a very um, distinct yeah. feel to them. Yeah. Like, you would notice if he was gone. A bit like um, when Panic! at the Disco split up and then Brendan took over songwriting duties and it just... The intellect just tanked. Like, whereas oh, really? Ryan Ross used to write the lyrics and they were very sort of highbrow. Whereas there's still like some clever moments here and there, but on the whole, Brendan is not a lyricist. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give any examples on where I agree with that. But sure, sure. So, yeah, what I was getting at is. Losing vocalists is a really... That's something that can cripple a band. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare to hear, oh yeah, they're better with this new vocalist. Wasn't there a band we were talking about the other day? Some 41. Yeah. So Derek wasn't the original... Wasn't the original singer, but basically... So he came in in 99, yeah. I believe. So he was basically at the point that they like everything that we know about of some 41 has Derek in it yeah that's true so like he is the sound yeah of that band imagine being the previous vocalist you just be like fuck's sake well previous vocalist of no doubt look this is there's an example oh who was that was it Gwen Stefani's brother she filled in for him they preferred yeah they preferred her something like that it was something like that yeah I can't fully remember yeah no I'm pretty sure it was her brother was the vocalist <clears throat> but didn't then, did he move on to another band entirely because I, I thought he think, was still in the band maybe not no that was the guy that she dated yeah Tony um uh, yeah so I guess I guess that's just, that's another example I think I think Journey's singer wasn't their original singer yep what's his name Steve Perry or Steve Harvey or something but yeah usually usually when a band loses vocalists it's pretty hard to come back from that because that's a big part of your sound yeah that's probably the biggest part of your sound is the vocalist yeah um yeah like my favorite band the black dahlia murder have gone through very 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 numerous lineup changes but if they were to lose brian and trevor the two founding members of the band then yeah that would that would probably be the end of them yeah i feel like there's, you've got to get to a point where you call it quits on the legacy. Like, even like Blink-182, they're pushing it. With yeah. Replacing Tom with Matt. And it's yeah. just like, I don't think you can fairly call yourselves that anymore. And look, I'll, I'll probably, I don't know if we'll argue about it, but I will probably always continue on that. I mean, they're not a band that I listen to, but panic at the disco should just be brendan oh it absolutely should be yeah, yeah. Right, so we won't argue about that it should just be brendan yuri yeah, and no. i'm sure he could get by on his name now he could yeah well i mean he did a song with taylor swift so he's fine he's doing he's doing all right yes he's doing a little bit of okay yes yeah but yeah i don't know anyhow anyway all right anyway i will ask you what do you think of this song so the cover is a significant improvement on the original. I personally, you know, already I hate songs where there's like a like a screamy element to it, unless it's like a I don't know. I'm a fan of a very distinctive kind of screamy, and this isn't it. But if you took that away from it, it would be good, but it still wouldn't be enough. So I understand why they put it in. Altogether, of Mice and Men's version is much better than Jamie Foxx's and T-Pain's. There's still, yeah. It's not something I'm going to listen to outside of this, though. No, I mean, I don't. I sort of haven't really gone back and listened to the songs that we've covered. No. 
So what do you think of it? Because you quite enjoy it, don't I, you? I, I ironically think it's great. Yeah. I think it does a lot with not much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I like the juxtaposition between the clean vocals and the, the heavy, the gutturals. I like it in principle, but there's just something about it that... Because, like, there are... Well, like, Alexis on Fire, they do... Yeah. Hard versus soft, I guess, vocals, or just regular clean versus... Harsh. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just... I don't know. There is that guitar riff that makes me think of just Alexis on That's Fire right. guitar yeah. riffs as well. That was very funny where you were like, there's a part of this that sounds like Alexis. Can you tell me where it is? And I was just like, yep. Yeah. So, um, like, yeah, it's definitely a much better version. I, yeah, I think that they, it's, for one, it's fun to me. Yes. I mean, I've been, because you didn't really, you weren't really into the screamo side of emo, were you? No. Like, only And I'm a, not calling this screamo, this is metalcore. Yeah, but, but like, only a few exceptions, like Refused are an exception. That's a punk band. Yeah, well, you were just saying that these guys aren't screamo. No, no, but I'm, I'm sort of getting into, like, talking about, like, you know, I... Listen, I've listened to a lot more of like harsh vocals yeah. than, than you, so I so I've got more of an ear for, you know, appreciating it, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, like from first to last, couldn't do it. Anything beyond that, couldn't really do it. Note to self was fine, but aside from that, I truly do not. Because Gerard sort of did a little bit in my chem, but not. It wasn't enough to classify them as screamo. No, no. and he has a incredible uh, singing voice yeah like oh yeah, yeah. That, he that, wasn't just sort of banking on being able to go like Ugh. and i'm thinking mostly in their first album yeah 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 because like the vampire song he definitely screams in that yeah but yeah no the dude has pipes and he the dude does. has a, a fantastic creative brain he does <sighs> i miss my chemical romance i miss alexis on fire i'd like to s- yeah. look i think they're still kicking around i think they are I'm pissed that we didn't go to see them last time they were here. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I think we can both agree, like, this cover is very good compared to the original. It's got a gang vocal. It's got a breakdown. It does. I feel like it's not tongue-in-cheek enough for my liking. See, I don't know. Because I listened to a bit of their stuff on Spotify, and the rest of their stuff's very serious. Yeah. Uh, but this was also, I imagine, because it was uh, Pop Volume 3? Yes, Punk Goes Pop Volume 3. So what was that, like 2010? Uh... So it would have been pretty... Would have been... I imagine it would have been really soon after they got together. So it was in 2010. Yeah, so they got started in 2009. Yeah. They debuted in 2009 and then they're... It's just, there's a few bands like that on these Fearless Records yeah, compilations. No, like, we got started, and then the next year. Yeah, no, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can understand why it's carried on for this long. Yeah, I mean, I listened to a bit of their other stuff. It's pretty serious, their other stuff. I feel like it is It's pretty fun, though. And that might have something to do with the original, the original two guys. Yeah. Um... Austin Carlisle and Jackson Hall might have something to do with that because mm-hmm. their biggest stuff's probably later on when they got yeah you know newer newer members and but, whatnot yeah to me again like I listen to it and I don't see the playful side or like the non-serious side mm. to me it still sounds very serious I think the best one that's done that so far was Chiodos with Harvey Dane oh that was so good that was a really good and the Men in Black one oh the Men yeah. in Black yeah so good so like that's that's fine but it just i that to me i find it a bit jarring like Mm. it's good that they're taking it seriously and doing a good rendition of it but i feel like it needs a bit more of like a winking like similar to like how the video for the original wasn't executed with like some winking sense of like haha like it's not a song that i think you should take seriously at all oh no no What, what, what could you have done to give it a bit of a wink I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Like, there's just something about the vocals. They're just sort of executed very 
Jamie Foxx's or of Mice and Men's? Of Mice and Men. Yeah. Um, like, the original one is just so bland that, like, I don't... If it had been a bit more dynamic in terms of the musical part of it, that might help. But in terms of the cover, I think, to me, the vocals just sound like they were executed very seriously. I don't know how to explain it. Like, for instance, if, like, an all-time low or a band like that mm. covered it, I could see them doing it with some sense of, like, levity, and it would be funny. Or not, but just, like, it would have that sort of, like, tongue-in-cheek element to it. I mean, there are definitely bands that have done it, done the sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of metalcore screaming yeah. stuff. Like, the one that's coming to mind is Dr. Acula. <laughs> Dracula. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you could have really done it with the tongue in cheek. <clears throat> I don't know. So yeah, I, I still, I think it's something I could either dance to or swing my fists to around in a windmill. And if, if <laughs> someone gets hit, it's their own fault. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I really dig it. I think it's, I think it's again, like I, unironically it's good. Yeah. I, I I feel like the juxtaposition between the vocals is good. I like Yeah, they just add more to it. Yeah. It, it's yeah, a bit more pleasing to my ears mm -hmm. than Jamie Foxx's. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, boys. No, no need to apologize. They yeah. should have done better. Yeah. You should have done better, Jamie. So, shall we go on to other covers now? Uh, other bland covers. The first one Mm -hmm. comes from the television show Glee. So the first cover we're going to be talking about is truly atrocious, featured on an episode of Ryan Murphy's sitcom, I guess you'd say, Glee, which it's no longer running, is it? Surely not. You're looking at the wrong guy. I don't know. I, I used to enjoy Glee and I look back and just cringe because it's so insufferable and just, nah, I can't do it. So what has Jane Lynch been doing since Glee? I feel like... And I don't know if she was in it for the entire whole of I think Glee. she was, mostly. Okay. She she made it very good. I feel like I've not seen her do anything. She's probably just living her best life. Probably. Yeah. yeah. We should get Jane Lynch on the pod. She's great. Um. Yeah, it's the, the, the story goes that... I don't know, I watched the YouTube video for this. It's like they're hungover from something... The kid in the wheelchair has bloody mur bloody Murphy's bloody Mary. <laughs> there's a professional wrestler. There's a Melbourne, a Melbourneian professional wrestler called Buddy Murphy, <laughs> and I've called it bloody Murphy's. <laughs> he has bloody Marys. The kid in the wheelchair in I... his thermos, and it's just like, aren't you high school kids? One, why are you hungover? Two, yeah. why do you have bloody Mary's, I had to think about that again. Yeah. In a thermos, drinking them at school, and then he come, and then he starts singing the song. Yeah. And then they just launch into their Glee Club version of, which isn't even, to me, if I'm correct, it's not even like a traditional Glee structure, because isn't the idea of Glee that you, like, Glee Club is a cappella, you make all the sounds with your mouth? I think it's a cappella groups. I don't, I, I, well, I don't, we don't have Glee Clubs over here, so how would I know? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I know that they sing. Um, I'm going off of the, I'm going off of the community episode of Glee Club, and they definitely don't do acapella in that. Okay, well then, so. forget that. Anyway, it's just very cringe. So... Yeah, I truly have nothing to say about this cover. So Except the thing that... The only thing I'll mention is I think that they do 
they do omit the auto tune. Yeah. And so it does make for an alright I don't know. It's like okay, so that's what it would have sounded like probably yeah. without it. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, that's one thing that pissed me off about the original was like we tried to look up versions of it that Jamie had performed live and every time he had a mic that was equipped with Yeah. It was still auto-tuned. It's just like so like I get that that's a choice to do with this style like the intention of the song itself but like come on mate (laughs) so yeah aside from that it's just a cover and just very cringe all round uh then our second cover by a band spinlight city is sort of like a watered down version of of mice and men i suspect real watered down So, yeah, to me, this is kind of what I would have been leaning towards in what I want out of a punk cover. Mm. But even so, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have the same sort of dynamic elements to it that Of Mice and Men have in theirs. Um, There's no, like, interesting, like, shifts in tempo or anything. It's just very run-of-the-mill. It also feels like there's lots of parts that just... Oh, without instrument instrumentation ah. like, it just felt like there was just lots of I need to listen to it again which I don't really have any desire to no. sorry sorry Spinlight City uh, it just felt like there was lots of almost like empty air with just the guy singing or maybe like the drums in the background or something it just felt like there wasn't guitar enough guitar playing yeah and the, I said to you the best bit about it was the end because it has this cool like piano keyboard, yeah. keyboard hook at the end yeah, which was very of its time. Like, I could totally see, like, a 2010-ish thereabouts cover having that sort of keyboardy yeah. element to it. But, yeah, they sort of bury it all the way at the end, and it's just like, oh, well, then, what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, look, good on you for trying. It's Again, it's an improvement on the original, but it still sucks. So, sorry, guys. And we're just burning through it with... Uh... Our last cover. Yeah, so... Look, we've uh, only got three, but last week we had none, so... Yeah, and this does not deserve much coverage at all. Everything about this song is a disappointment. (laughs) So the last one is by the collective Smooth Jazz All-Stars. Ooh. So to me, this cover just sort of highlights how basic Jamie Foxx's original is. Like, because when you've got horns that are literally just doing the single note, like, like, yeah, I love smooth jazz. Smooth jazz is great, but like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> even even when you're an all-star of smooth jazz. I know. Like, the name alone it should be like, yes, sick, all-star. Do you, do you think smooth jazz all-stars have done all-star? I hope so. Yeah, because that'd be better. Speak- <laughs> Speaking of, I was texting with my buddy and former guest of the pod, Richard, the other day. And he noted that... <laughs> He noted, I think it is likely that Weezer will cover All-Star within our lifetimes. And I found that very delightful because I absolutely agree. And I think at that point, if that happens, I'm just going to lose my mind entirely. Because that seems like the next logical step for Weezer in terms of their overall career trajectory. 
But anyway, because um, what have they done? They've done. They've done Africa. They, they've done. They um, did another Toto song to sort of fuck with everyone. And then didn't they? They've also, they've also done Take on Me as well, haven't they? Uh, they've done a whole album of covers recently. Oh, okay. Um, it was like the Teal album or something. Oh. And yeah, look, <laughs> a cover album associated with Coloured would definitely be Teal. Well, because look, they had the Blue album, the Green album, the Black album, the Red album, blah blah Teal album. So yeah, they've got. So I'm just going to read the track list real quick because that's more interesting than talking about this song. So Africa, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, Take On Me, Happy Together, Paranoid, Mr. Blue Sky, No Scrubs, Billie Jean, and Stand By Me. I'd kind of be interested to listen to that because it's kind of a collection of different songs. It's not bad. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I've listened to bits of it. Um... I'm not really on top of what they're doing these days because I just can't deal with it. But, um, yeah. And I've just realised there's a podcast called What's With These Homies Talking About Weezer, which is so delightful. So shout out to Matt Apodaca. I think that's how you pronounce I don't know. Um, keep doing a good job. I'm sure it's good because it's about Weezer. But anyway. Um. Yeah, Smooth Jazz All-Stars. Like. No, look, it's instrument instrumentally it's good they've done it properly but it's just boring like yeah. it just highlights how shit the song yeah when is. your song is when your song is that you're covering is boring and your style of music isn't the most exciting style of music smooth jazz yeah you know look if i'm relaxing and i just need background music that would be fine yeah that would be fine background music but that's not really a compliment to a band that wants to be more than that. No. So. It is not. Sorry, guys. You um, won't do this anyway. But, yeah, to me, like, it's not their fault. It's because the song sucks. Like, yeah. they have done a true to, true to the original rendition of, and it's literally just... Like... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut that, and that's gonna be the, the whole podcast. <laughs> That can just be like, if we had ads, which we don't, that would be the lead into it. Remember that craze of like, this, but it's 10 hours. Oh, what was, what was your, my favorite one from that entire thing was Steamed Hams, but it was, um, Feel Good Ink by Gorillaz, (laughs) which you can, (laughs) you can picture it. Like, it's great. Steamed Hams. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was Steamed Hams, but it was Basket Case by Green Day, which was also excellent. Um, there's been a lot. What's your, what was your favourite, but it's X meme? I don't know. You put me on the spot. This is what you do when you're podcasting, baby. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't, I'm the, I don't have an improvisational mind. Neither do I, but here we are. Um, uh, I, well, I saw one today. <laughs> That made me laugh. It's the, the new meme format, and it's like full Wi-Fi mm. compared to like losing one bar of Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. So they had the full Wi-Fi, and it was Kevin from the office with his wig. Yeah. And then they lost a bar of Wi-Fi. Then it was Ashton Kutcher because there's <laughs> the line where he starts. It's like I think it's the wedding where he wears the wig, and he's like, "No, is is it Ashton Kutcher?" <laughs> Oh my god. It's Kevin. Ugh. So that one, that one tickled me today. Excellent. So, I reckon we should just look, get ba- out of here. Look, baby, I'm proud of you. You made it through to the end. I did. And your reward is that next week you get to talk about your girl again. Yes. And I am expecting enthusiasm. You will absolutely get it. Um, Apologies again, guys, for the just the ball of rage that I have become in talking about this song. I'm already looking up Uber Eats. Sam, I'm sorry. I hope you still want to marry me. Oh, you you, you suffer through me in every episode. <laughs> so there's no apologies necessary. Um, As always, thank you for listening to Punk Goes Pod. Uh, feel free to chuck us a like and a subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Is that a thing you can do on Apple Podcasts? 
You can subscribe. I don't know if you like it. I don't think you like it. I don't know. Um, like and subscribe on other things. <laughs> Fucking just do it. But uh, what are we covering next week? Next week, we are covering Blank Space by Taylor Swift, as covered by the band I Prevail. So that is going to be an excellent episode. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at PunkGoesPod. Uh, hit us up via Gmail, punkgoespod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. We're getting the plays. We're not really getting the engagement. So please, if you have anything to say that's not going to make me cry, I'd love to hear it. Just be cool, man. Just be cool. All right. Sam's looking up Thai food, so I'm going to bounce. We're outie. Bye. Bye.